Okay, a quick plug for you before we get started. If you happen to be a network engineer in the Boston area, I will be presenting on our WAN manager survey, which we're talking about on the show today, as well as some network pricing data that we have at the next event for the Massachusetts chapter of the U.S. Networking User Association. The event will be in Waltham, Massachusetts at the Painted Borough on Thursday, May 25th at 5 p.m. So if you're around, I hope to see you there. You can find more information at usnua.com. Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and my guest today is my colleague, Mae Harrison, who is going to help me go through results from our recently published WAN Manager Survey. We highlight key trends in multinational corporate networks around the world, like where they are with MPLS versus DIA and the underlay, SD-WAN adoption, cloud connectivity, a bit on even network as a service from the demand side, and many other topics. We have what we think, of course, is a great comprehensive review of what is afoot in the world of WANs. But before I get to the interview, I wanted to let all of you know that we will be taking a brief hiatus after this episode to put together the start of Season 5. Our producer, Jane Miller, and I have hatched a plan to sort of live up to the title of this podcast and take a few episodes at the start of the next season to pull back from specific, perhaps sometimes a bit esoteric topics and review some foundational concepts in telecoms. So we'll be talking about how does the internet really work? What do transport networks that support the internet look like? What really is the cloud and where is the cloud located? What is a WAN and why does it matter so much for corporations? So I'm really excited to tackle these core topics and I look forward to seeing you again in a few weeks. Enjoy. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the WAN Manager Survey, and I had on my colleague, May Harrison, who wrote most of the chapter, so thanks for doing that, May, so that I didn't have to, um, but I thought we'd start out, you know, introduce yourself, perhaps, and, uh, and then briefly, what is the WAN Manager Survey? Sure, yeah. My name is May Harrison. I'm a junior analyst here at Telegeography. Um, I work on the enterprise team with Greg. We make up the enterprise team. Yes, as a matter um, of fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the WAN Manager Survey is our annual review um, of WAN managers' experiences and network configurations. Um, people who look at you know the design and sourcing and management of the wide area networks. Um, yeah, and it's an annual survey. So we started it, what, 2018? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the sixth year? Fifth, yeah, something like that. Fifth or sixth year that we've done it. Um, And yeah, so this year we asked about things that we normally ask about, uh, network configuration, but we also asked about some new things, um, SD-WAN, NAS, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, 
why, well, what's the purpose? So like, who, who is this for? Um, I, th- I think it varies a little bit for the average WAN manager. It's mm-hmm. a resource for someone to see, you know, what does a network configuration at a different multinational enterprise look like? Um, what is the makeup of sort of the WAN market? Mm-hmm. Um, but also we use it as our data inputs for our what, WAN Market WAN, sizing. Yeah, yeah, the WAN one. market yeah, sizing yeah. report. Um, so it's, you know, the data itself is used by us the rest of the year, mm-hmm. um, but it also serves WAN managers, other people interested in telco in general. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So so it's the, the, the folks who take the survey want to see the results so that they can compare their strategy for IT infrastructure to other um, IT infrastructure managers at, at different multinationals around the world. But then, of course, the folks who sell WAN services want to know what WAN managers are thinking. And then we use, like you said, that input. Um, I have a giant and very intimidating uh, Excel file of assumptions for the model, Monte Carlo model that we do to make a market size based on this survey, basically. So it actually has a lot of purposes. And it also, I should note, goes into our SD-WAN research, goes into our cloud uh, research. So it, it sort of peppers uh, things throughout um, the rest of, of the telegeography uh, areas too that, that deal with you know enterprise services. All right, so what we want to talk about on the show, May, is um, what we saw in 2022. <laughs> So you put together all of the charts and like I said before, kind of wrote this chapter. So I thought rather than just me um, speaking at people, um, as much as I do love the sound of my own voice, and and I understand if you don't, but that's <laughs> we're going to make you do this anyway. Um, but uh, rather than just me talk about it, I thought it'd be fun to ask you sort of what we found. So I thought really the key takeaway, um, the first key takeaway from from this year was the, the mix of of underlay services, MPLS, DIA, broadband. Can you tell us what we saw there in terms of MPLS usage and DIA uses, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, result that we saw, which was surprising to us, was that MPLS usage paused in its decline over the past four or five years. Uh, MPLS usage has generally declined in, you know, in favor of DIA and broadband. Um, in terms of pricing and with the uptake of SD-WAN solutions. So rather than continuing to decline this year, we actually saw MPLS sort of flatten out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this year, DIA and MPLS um, were pretty close together, just about three percentage points away from each other, which in past years, um, there's been a wider gap and DIA has slowly been increasing. um, But now we're finally starting to see the two almost converge. Um, maybe DIA will overtake it one day, but I think we're just surprised in general that it, you know, I was sort of expecting MPLS to continue on this like downward trend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like that's happening. It's really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say that um, we also uh, do interviews after the survey. So we get to talk to some people, not, not the full cohort of the survey, of course, but um, a, a small number of them about why they answered what they answered. And I think out of that, we probably found that, you know, there's still plans to get rid of MPLS in a lot of cases. It's just it's taking longer than people thought it would yeah. sort of to, to really switch 
over their networks. And, and I think there were some cases where they said they had switched to internet and it's just not good enough in some locations. So I think and I did revise my forecast model a little bit based on this year that, um, you know, I think the MPLS decline slowdown is, is due more in some cases to just it taking a long time post COVID and everything for people to undertake big projects and, and go on to new contracts and whatnot. Um, but so it, it will keep going down, but I also think there were quite a few cases where they said, we, we just can't get rid of MPLS in some geographic locations and some situations, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think geography is a big part of it with certain parts of the world that are just going to run better on that higher cost product. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's also cases of companies wanting to keep like their large data centers on, um, MPLS as a backup maybe, Mm -hmm. um, to their internet. And I think we did have, um, an interview with a WAN manager that was saying, you know, they're with the uptake in SD-WAN and their uh, implementation of it, MPLS is definitely becoming less necessary, but they don't want to get rid of it entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People are nervous to do that. And I think MPLS is great security wise. Right. So it right. makes sense to keep it somewhere. Private. Essentially, yeah. So that, that, yeah. Yeah. So I think we're finding that, that the exuberance of like, oh, everything could be internet um, has tamped down a little bit. And while we see DIA still growing broadband, I forget broadband didn't quite grow this year, right? Or is it, um, it was, uh, but it, it's still, it's still more in the mix than it was when I started asking about this in 2018. Yeah. I think broadband did decrease a little bit, mm-hmm. um, like 23% last year to mm-hmm. about 14% this year, yeah, which makes sense yeah. as DIA yeah. is um, right. increasing. Yeah. And, and that, that's the other thing too, is that especially they're in locations, um, where internet is difficult. If you are going to do internet, you would definitely do DIA, which yep. comes with carrier grade SLAs and that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. but even, even in, in urban places in the U S I think, uh, a lot of enterprises are looking more toward DIA than, than broadband. If now, if you can get Fios or Comcast mm-hmm. or something giggy kind of broadband that that's, um, very reliable, that's a different story perhaps, but yeah, definitely. I think broadband is more popular than say it was in 2018 when this, um, when we started the survey, but it's also a great product for, you know, um, diverse access and backup, mm-hmm. um, no, either if it's MPLS or DIA. Right. Um, right. Maybe even a tertiary yeah. connection as we would call it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. How about, um, bandwidth? So a story that I tell all the time and, it's nice when my stories can be rooted in actual data that we've collected here, but is that, okay, so yes, people didn't all go back to the office. We're in the office today, right? Um, I think a lot, of, a, a lot of knowledge workers are doing what we're doing, like coming in once or twice a week, that kind of thing. But when they do, instead of being on the phone or whatever, or even having meetings in person, they're meeting over Zoom or um, actually, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more Teams than Zoom even these days. I don't know if that's a yeah. trend, but yeah. Um, but uh, that that those those applications are very bandwidth hungry. So if you have a meeting that used to would have been in a meeting room, now that meeting includes at least several people who aren't in the office. Mm-hmm. And so we expected definitely to see some increase in bandwidth demand. Did we? 
<laughs> yes. Um, That's good. As you know, um, as maybe everyone listening doesn't yet, but mm-hmm. with, you know, the increase in remote connectivity um, post-pandemic and the uptake in SD-WAN, port sizes themselves have started to shrink on the MPLS side just because large MPLS ports are very expensive Mm -hmm. and DIA ports um, of the same size are cheaper and provide just as, you know, good connectivity. Right. Um, But yeah, we have seen pretty, pretty substantial uh, growth in terms of bandwidth. Um, DIA is peaks at our top four bandwidth ranges. Um, MPLS is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has decreased over the past few years um, significantly, where now we're really not seeing MPLS ports at that at those gigantic, you know, giggy, giggy plus right. sizes. No, that's a really interesting point. I think that that's a, a, a worthwhile takeaway to put a pin in that while MPLS usage didn't decline that much, it looks like some amount of demand still contracted in that mm-hmm. MPLS ports were smaller. So if you kept MPLS, it was at sites with with that mm-hmm. needed um, smaller ports or, or if it was at the same site, it would be, you would add a, a big DIA circuit mm-hmm. and, and make your MPLS smaller. So, so there was some pullback of MPLS usage, perhaps hidden in the bandwidth distribution. Yeah. Um, uh, even if, even if the number of sites running MPLS was pretty similar, how about, how about broadband? I mean, I guess broadband's not as available. So, so if you're talking above 50 megs, DIA was the strongest, right? Yes. Particularly at like Gigi or something. What about broadband? How does it uh, work into the mix at those higher ranges? Broadband was pretty comparable to DIA mm-hmm. um, in terms of where it peaked. Um, there was some usage of smaller port sizes, you know, below 50 megs, right. but a, it was pretty substantial in terms of like what, um, 100 to 500, um, nothing really at uh, above a Gigi. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes sense. Yeah, again, so you just don't have broadband yeah. there. Whereas DIA, there's some, you know, it's not super common, but there's some like, you know, 10 gig DIA yeah. ports out there and stuff like but that. But those like mid-tier ranges um, are good for broadband. Um, and we saw enough um, enough activity there. Yeah, which which tracks. I always, I always talk to, you know, lay people about this and it's confusing them because if you... If you have, uh, you know, Comcast or Fios or something at home, you might get like 500 megs. Now, of course, that's yeah. contended. It's not, it's, you're not actually getting 500 megs and that sort of thing. So it's not the same as, but then if, you know, you relate that to uh, MPLS, we still see like um, a lot of MPLS ports are like 20 to 50 megs, basically, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. um, that, that I think does say a lot about the cost and what people are using MPLS versus Internet for and that sort of thing. All right. How about providers? So we did add something I think worth highlighting to the survey this year, which was we asked about specific providers used. We had previously asked questions about like what type of provider, like global, regional, that kind of thing. So first, what did we find in terms of who folks are buying MPLS from and and then what specific providers were were sort of um, notable? Yeah. So we asked the same question that we've asked in previous years, basically what describes like your MPLS sourcing sourcing strategy, mm-hmm. um, whether that be a mix of global and regional providers um, or just global providers, just regional providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and overwhelmingly, um, almost, you know, 40 percent said they were using a mix of global and regional providers. 
um, to source MPLS. Um, right. So that that was our plurality. That was the biggest yeah. single one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, the next biggest was a single global provider, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah. If you're going to go with that global, especially if you're getting like managed services and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that's, um, but it's, it's still not a huge group, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of what we found by provider by name, right. Actual providers. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is interesting that we asked because it really puts into perspective how, you know, these providers are doing, Mm -hmm. um, Globally, um, we found that AT&T was on top uh, for MPLS and also um, we'll get to it, but for DIA as well, mm-hmm. um, almost 30% um, said that they use AT&T, yeah. followed by BT and Verizon, um, slightly smaller. Yeah. Um, and just like small note that, you know, someone might list AT&T, but you can have multiple MPLS right. providers. You can, pick, you can pick, in fact, almost like a, a, think, a large yeah. majority of a selected more than one provider. And and that's really common, like for a bunch of reasons, but like, like one thing we always get into in our interviews, like M&A activity. So mm-hmm. like you inherit a company and you inherit their sites and they're already running yep. somebody and that sort of thing. So that there's that factor. And there's the, you know, sometimes people are looking for some kind of regional specific strength or whatever. But what is interesting to me about this one is that like, AT&T, BT, and Verizon, right? It's like you, <laughs> yeah. you, you could have just guessed that perhaps yep. <laughs> that like, you know, the largest providers in the world are in fact the most used providers in the world. And we included, I don't know what, like maybe two dozen options, yeah. you know, to, to select. And, and most of them were selected by at least one or two folks, but, but many of them only had one or two respondents using them. So, so okay. there's this long tail, I guess, but, um, but there, there's a pretty strong majority that are using, um, I guess if you, if you threw orange, orange uh, business in there as well, mm-hmm. I almost said it the French way. Cause I'm so used to thinking <laughs> that way in my head, orange. You know? yeah. so, um, so if you, if you use orange, if you threw orange in there as well, then you'd have um, like almost everyone is using one of those yeah. four providers basically. Right. So, yeah. I mean, especially because I think the majority, yeah. 80, over 80% of our participants um, had headquarters in the U.S. Mm-hmm, or Western mm-hmm, Europe right, or Canada. Right. So having one of those big three providers was almost necessary mm-hmm. to connect to a lot of the places around here. Yeah, yeah. But we did see, you know, people selecting, you know, uh, regional providers in LATAM, APAC, yeah. that kind of thing. So it's out there, certainly. And um, and I should I should also say this is, we didn't talk about the cohort really here but most of our respondents most of the enterprises that make it into telegeography's universe right Mm -hmm. are pretty large multinationals right so if we were talking to smaller companies i suspect um the answer would would be possibly fairly different although we we did do another survey last year that we we outsourced and and had a kind of broader net with that and at&t still won that one too Mm -hmm. yeah AT&T is up there. All right. So we asked the same questions about DIA. How different was it? Uh, not very not different. Very, which is really interesting because that's one of the things about SD-WAN is it frees up your underlay options mm-hmm. or whatever. But it looks like what we found in in, in DIA for sourcing strategy and actual uh, um, carriers use was pretty similar, right? So like, yeah. Yeah. Almost. I mean, AT&T, once mm-hmm. again, topped about a third of respondents. 
followed by Lumen, BT, and Verizon again. Mm-hmm. Well, Lumen is interesting there that that it seems maybe mm-hmm. Lumen's a little stronger in the DIA uh, market than the MPLS market, perhaps. Like, yeah, maybe. At least among our, again, uh, uh, Lumen might also target more mid-market um, enterprises yeah. uh, than, than the AT&T, BT, Verizons do, or, or they also target them. But our cohort is, again, like mostly very large multinationals. So. Right. Yeah. And we also saw um, with our DIA providers and also with the MPLS providers, we had um, a good handful of um, enterprises choosing one of the three Chinese uh, triopoly yes, state that's, run. That's a really interesting finding. So like, um, why? <laughs> why do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's because those are the only you yeah, know, I guess state it, run it, telcos it, it, you can it, get in China. Ultimately, like if you have sites in China and you want DIA, you can. Whereas I, yes. I think with MPLS, it's a, it, it, and that's why we heard a lot of folks mention that for China, that's where if they were replacing MPLS throughout their entire global network, they were still keeping it in China. Yes. Because it's the way that the Chinese market works. I need, I need to get uh, a, an analyst who covers Asia because I don't know the story well enough to, to sit, <laughs> but, but other providers I think can more easily offer MPLS. It's still through NNIs with those providers and whatnot mm-hmm. in China, but DIA, uh, I think in many cases, you really have to get from one of the Chinese providers. And that, that was interesting yeah. that it showed up in our, our results here. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And from the enterprises that we talked to, if yeah, if they have sites in China, you really don't have another choice. If you want to be in China, you need to connect to China Telecom, China Unicom. Right. The third one is China Mobile. Yeah, yeah, which is confusing because it's China Mobile, but China Mobile yeah. also sells wireline exactly. WAN services. So, yeah. well, and, mm-hmm. and regionally, too. I, again, yes. I, I I don't want to speak out of turn because I really need to get an Asia analyst. If we were, maybe we'll do an episode on a deep dive on yeah, Chinese should. telecom market. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. All right. So then broadband, we didn't ask um, for specific ISPs, kind of thinking there's just so many ISPs in the world. Although... Now I'm looking at the results. I wonder if maybe we should ask for providers next year because um, we didn't we didn't find that a lot of people go uh, directly to ISPs, did we, or did we? How did that turn out? Yeah. Um, so we found that about fifty six percent were directly from carriers. Gotcha. So the, so even if your broadband ultimately comes from a smaller ISP or whatever, yeah. you're buying it through your carrier because you don't want to mess with that, right? So Yeah, for at least, you know, a little over half. And mm-hmm. then the other, we had another 44% saying that they're getting direct from an ISP. Yeah, so that's, that's a fair number. So that's pretty big. Still, yeah, yeah, although yeah. I am curious, maybe next year we get a little bit more specific if you know you're, if they're sourcing from a carrier who's the carrier, right. and if it lines up with their MPLS DIA. Yeah, that, that would be my guess, right? Just what we see in the DIA. Would be, if I if I go to especially one of the big four or five carriers, mm-hmm. you know, and and just say, give me a WAN, then they're just sourcing everything for that WAN, even yeah. if I want to include internet. So, yeah, um, it certainly seems like a big undertaking to go. And although we 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 did interviews with people who say that they call ISPs all over the world, right? Yep. So that does happen, certainly. Yeah. Um, and, and how about what kinds of internet providers? What did we find there? Like, um, um, type of like, as in cable, um, oh. uh, like Comcast, uh, spectrum, that, that kind of thing versus, you know, ISPs or whatever. So. Yeah. It's a pretty, I mean, cable providers themselves, um, was about 15% of our respondents and then MSPs, uh, about 7%. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did have, uh, 
a good chunk of people um, noting that they used aggregators mm, mm-hmm. as well, which I thought was interesting. Um, right. Because it's... But only about 10%, right? Something like that? Yeah, like, 10, 11%. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, what I find interesting about that is, so, you know, there's some big name aggregators out there. Well, and, and one that bought a bunch of the other big name mm-hmm. aggregators, right? Yep. And uh, the, ever since I first encountered that sort of whole business a long, long time ago, it seems like they do more still business with carriers than the enterprises directly. I mean, clearly yeah. we see some here. So that's, you know, that's, that is, it is definitely out there. But um, I think that uh, a lot of um, enterprises are happy to just let someone else kind of figure out that ISP market for them, right? Yeah. Which is why I thought we would see more aggregators, but I think even those aggregators are selling it to the carriers and then to the enterprise, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. So then this year, um, we we do every couple of years, we, we, we look at some different topics. Um, so like we switch between like security, SD-WAN, cloud, um, that sort of thing. So we looked uh, this year at, at SD-WAN adoption and cloud. What did we find out for cloud? First off, what, what, what do we ask about for cloud? What are we looking for there? Um, we ask about uh infrastructure as a service providers, mm-hmm. so cloud cloud providers, um, and how many is it, how many an enterprise is connected to who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we also ask about uh, data centers and point-to-point locations if, the, if an enterprise is noted that they use point-to-point. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, data center locations. And the last thing this year that we added on was a uh, networking as a service um, uptake and whether people have even heard of these solutions and if they're buying them or researching them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I think we, we only asked like what, maybe one or two questions, but because yeah. it's a new thing, but um, yeah, I, 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 it's interesting to see where, where people are with that. So, all right. So let's start with uh, cloud um, providers, right? So we also ask for kind of market share, right? So what did mm-hmm. we find for uh, infrastructure as a service provider specifically? Because cloud providers could mean many things. Sure. <laughs> so we, and we're collecting data. We have to be specific. We asked about um, infrastructure as a service. Who's on top there? Um, maybe not unsurprising to everybody, but uh, Microsoft Azure mm-hmm. um, came up on, on top with almost... Almost 100%. Almost everybody, yeah. almost everybody saying they I, used them. I thought that was actually really interesting. As I recall, last time we asked that question a couple of years ago, Amazon was on top. So it looks yeah. like they kind of switched places. I mean, yeah. I think AWS had their, or did they change their name? No. No, I think it's still AWS. Okay. Yeah. Um, had what, the first to market um, advantage? Yeah, to some extent, for sure. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of people are connected. I mean, Keep in mind, this is, you know, you can be connected to both. Uh, yeah, most, most, most of the vast majority of folks were, had selected um, both, right? So, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it is interesting that Azure took, you know, overtook mm-hmm. um, Amazon by so much. Yeah, I, I, I found that interesting. I, I think maybe it has something to do with just the the basic software suite. Right? Maybe, it's like, yeah. you're, you know, mm-hmm. you have to use... Um, Excel, right? <laughs> you know, Why not buy and, there? Um, yeah. and, and then you just, okay, well, we'll use Outlook and Teams and all that. And so everybody, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that it may be also what folks are doing with their, their infrastructure as a service. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, in other words, obviously like Excel is not an 
infrastructure as a service product, but you're already in the ecosystem, as mm-hmm. they say, right? So how about Google or other sort of long tail people? Um, sort of similar to Azure, Google has the same sort of, you know, people are using Google Drive and Gmail, right. whatnot, uh, came out about a third of respondents mm-hmm. using them. Yeah, that's, um, that's a pretty sizable chunk because I've yeah. often associated Google with more um, mid-market or even smaller yep. companies. But again, that we're talking to very large multinationals, that's still a fair chunk using Google. So that's yeah. Which, yeah. And then um, Oracle and IBM um, were our bottom two providers, mm-hmm. 24%, 10%. Um, and... Oracle increased almost double, mm-hmm. um, but IBM saw, you know, a couple percentage points decrease, mm-hmm. which is interesting just to see yeah. any decrease, I guess, in the cloud world. Yeah. Because you would yeah. think it would continue just, to. Yeah. yeah. Now, and we also heard, again, this was a minority in the interviews, but we did hear, hear some people that were like, oh, we've pulled back on our cloud strategy a little bit yeah. and moving back to some on-prem data centers and that sort of thing. So there's some people who went... Um, too far into the cloud world, perhaps. So <laughs> a little too that, quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now you're learning what really belonged uh, there and what didn't. So well, yeah, and, and just jumping ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. um, we did have our respondents. You know, almost a fifth of um, uh, sorry, WAN managers saying that they did yeah. have some mix of on-prem. Um, Connectivity, just right, because. right. So we asked, we asked about data center locations, and, and we found that that a lot of, actually do have on-premise data centers still, right? So, yeah, and that increased. It looks like yeah, right? it did increase. Um, well, for all, so we had we we had what like um, ten, like you went from like one in ten to one in five that had all of their data on-prem, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that's that's really huge to me. I, that, that, I think that's really interesting. So. Yeah, it is interesting. I think, I mean, the whole cloud world is constantly changing mm-hmm. and really dependent on market changes. Right. Um, but yeah, this year was definitely interesting. Still, I, worth pointing out that, of course, that means that like 80 some percent sure. or whatever uh, have, you know, some mix of off-prem, on-prem, neutral facilities, that you know, whatever. Um, so it's, it is mm-hmm. still a, a small minority, but that's interesting that that minority grew in the last two years, basically. So, yeah, I think, yeah, our biggest category was a mix of basically everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Which makes sense for these gigantic multinational enterprises. Again, especially the M&A ones. And that's like, end up with lots of data centers. People who have like their legacy networks Mm -hmm. are trying to bring things on, keep some things um, on-prem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, we, we asked about something kind of new, although it depends on who you ask and, how new this is and what it means, but network as a service. I've done a few episodes of network as a service, so we, I won't I won't make you define it for us okay. <laughs> because um, the the way that we we were being very general about it in the survey too, just to see kind of where people were with it. But um, you know, essentially, any kind of the, it, it's more in in the way that we were phrasing the question about like you know the the way that you purchase network service, like mm-hmm. that, can you get like on demand bandwidth and, and stuff like that. So. And again, to be clear to everybody, that's, that's almost always like between data centers or something like that, not not to the offices. But um, we, I was I was kind of surprised to at, at what we found here. How did um, we find that uh, NAS had been um, sort of uh, accepted by the enterprise uh, folks that we talked to? Yeah. So um, the first kind of question is, you know, like what's your relationship to NAS? Have you purchased it? 
um, and are actively using it or are you researching it or have you never heard of what we're talking about? Right. And uh, only 5% uh, said that they had purchased and are actively using NAS solutions, which... That is very small. Very, very small. <laughs> yeah. So there's a big opportunity, yeah. possibility. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, on the other side of that, mm-hmm. almost 40% were not familiar with the solutions, had never heard of them. Right, right. So even bigger. So that, And there were some people who were like, oh, yeah, it's on my radar. I just haven't gotten around to it yeah. yet, kind of. Um, uh, but you had quite a few people who like hadn't even really started to look into it at all. So, yeah. yeah. And I think especially with the emergence of like SASE architectures mm-hmm. and ZTNA um, things, I think I th- the, the WAN world in general has been a little bit overwhelmed with all the new solutions. There's a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I think this came out of several of the interviews that we did where it's like your day is spent putting out fires and mm-hmm. making sure that everyone's apps are working and, and there's, you know, uh, nothing wrong. And that leaves relatively little time to go and figure out new things out there in the world, yeah. um, which, you know, is why it's important maybe to get out to conferences and listen to webinars <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So kind of in a way, other than the, the network, stuff the the big event i think in the survey was was sd wan yeah and you know everyone's wanted to talk about sd wan for the last five or six years maybe even more than that at this point um so how is sd wan uptake going um uptake itself i think is still on an upward trend but Mm -hmm installation rates right um, right right so really that's, fallen. That's, that's worth highlighting the difference so people are still very interested in getting sd-wan yes but they have not completed that <laughs> task is what you're saying basically. yes i'm saying mm-hmm. people have you know researched and decided they're going to do it mm-hmm. but are finding that the rollout times um are a little bit longer than expected right um mm-hmm. which has led to this year where we sort of expected to see a pretty major jump between what 2020 was the last time we asked mm-hmm. about SD-WAN, mm-hmm. a big jump in installation rates. And we didn't see that big of a jump. Um, right. I think it's, you know, yeah, four per four percentage points um, increase. Yeah. You know, you know, what's really interesting here. I just realized this um, recently. Uh, I do a forecast of all of this for our mm-hmm. market size forecast. And um, I'm always pretty conservative with how quickly things will go and, and that sort of thing. And I looked when I forecasted um, from 2020, like the last time we asked yeah. about SD Win to 2022, I got 47%. I know. In my <laughs> I noticed that so when I was going through. So my forecast was exactly right, even though I was thinking I was being kind of like conservative yeah. and whatnot, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so on, while only 40% or 47% mm-hmm. um, are actually installed, we, we did see that. 86% were in some sort right. of so adoption So in, in the stage. next year or two, in fact, we'll probably update that yeah. number in two years. And, and we expect it to be more like, uh, you know, three quarters or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, because as much while the installation rate didn't grow as much, the rate of like people who said that they were currently right. in process the, rolling out, like in a, in a, a POC or a pilot yes. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that same thing happened where we had fewer respondents saying they had never, uh, or they didn't consider it or weren't adopting it. Fewer saying they were researching. Most people were in sort of like rollout or have already installed. Right. Um, Right. So they all know it's out there. They all want it. They just haven't gotten to it yet, basically. So, 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, we found that most um, of the, our survey takers said it took more than a year for SUN to get deployed. Right. Right. And, and so that was, you know, if you went back a few years ago and listen to what people were saying about SUN, oh, it's plug and play. It's so easy. It's, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's always this way with everything. Everything is harder to do once you actually have to go accomplish the thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, and obviously people not being on site and, and yes. all these mm-hmm. kinds of problems over the past several years that were in supply chains, the the, the chip shortage mm-hmm. and, and those kinds and, of things. And the M&A that happens. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. exactly. So, so it took longer than everybody seems to have expected. But um, over the next several years, you know, my model has has SD-WAN going to very, very high percentage of sites ultimately, because like you said, we only only 5% said they weren't going to adopt SD-WAN. So it's like almost everybody yeah. will have it at a lot of sites, but it's going to take a while, basically. So, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we also asked about vendors like we did for network stuff. What did we find there? Um, we found that most people are going direct to an SD-WAN vendor. I find that really interesting. It was, it was the opposite trend. This one was one where it was not what I thought. I thought we would see more sort of giving up and going through their carrier, um, and kind of went in the other direction. So, yeah, I'm curious about that too. I'm not sure if it was Mm -hmm. people were more enthralled by the SD-WAN vendor, you know, marketing and how it's put out there. Um, and I mean, carriers, some carriers do offer an SD-WAN add-on. Right, right, through various um, of the, so the, the way that we set it up and set up the sort of questions is like, you know, there's the Viptelas, HPE, Aruba, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, right, um, uh, that you could go directly to them or you could go to Verizon, AT&T, BT, et cetera, yeah. that, um, and get Viptela or, or, or Silver Peak or whatever through them. Um, and uh, yeah, when, when SD-WAN was nascent, um, a few years ago, I, I wasn't surprised to see a lot of people going directly to the SD-WAN vendors, but I kind of thought that they would go more in the direction of, of just single kind of, um, uh, throat to choke and all that sort of thing with a carrier. Yeah. But we, we did do an interview where, where one, uh, of our respondents had done that, had gotten um, SD-WAN through their carrier and did not like it that yes. way. <laughs> he had very strong yeah. opinions about that. Did not yeah. like that vendor. And so would be going to, to vendor direct after, mm-hmm. um, they get rid of what they got basically. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we asked specifically, you know, which SD-WAN vendors, right. um, were people um, using and unsurprisingly, uh, Cisco Viptela specifically, mm-hmm. um, and VMware topped, um, our chart and then Cisco Meraki HP. Aruba right. came after, um, which are all, you know, what you would expect probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, so no that, huge that, surprise there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And, and to be clear, what we're asking there is even if you, even if you purchase your SD-WAN through your carrier or an MSP or whatever, you still know that it's Nutella yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So it's, we were, we weren't asking who you purchase it from, but just which, which technology you're using. So, yeah, I think it's more than half were using either Viptel or VMware, basically, yep. right? So, yeah, that's kind of not surprising. And so there again, there's like a very long tail of, of SD-WAN providers. And again, I think if we were talking to a broader group of corporations here, rather than sort of focused more on the very large multinationals yep. like we are, we might get some different answers. But, you know, the smaller 
SD-WAN vendors are going to be more attractive to the smaller enterprises, I would reckon, right? Yeah. So, yeah, if you're if you have a huge global scale, you probably want um, you're you're going to lean towards a, a, a huge company like Cisco, perhaps more mm-hmm. likely. So, yeah. And then what about multiple SD-WAN vendors? What did we find there that um, that always seemed to me that if that it would make a lot of sense to have a single SD-WAN vendor deployed, but that, that was not what we necessarily found for a lot of folks, right? So. Yeah, we um, a lot of folks said, you know, they were using two or more mm-hmm. um, vendors. And I think that's largely um, one based on geography and right. the sort of, if you have a global network, um, there are just some places that, you know, certain vendors are going to be um, easier to access. Right, right. Um, yeah, although it, it's interesting because you would think with these, I don't know, with these large enterprises that they might, you know, have a huge smattering of different providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I don't know, it's just the the whole story that we got this year was just a little bit more, it was different than what I was expecting mm-hmm. um, in general. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of people using more than one yeah um, and for a lot of different reasons too um yeah like m a m a security and yeah right and 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 sometimes we talked to enterprises that have kind of a, a regional network strategy in general mm-hmm. so it's like they go with one provider in in latam and different and so that even made its way over into suN which I was just kind of surprised to hear that. It wasn't what I expected. So, all right. How about management levels? Um, I know that for for our colleague Brianna, who runs the SD-WAN uh, vendor research that we do, this is an important um, aspect because we collect prices there and the prices differ mm-hmm. based on your management level. What do enterprises, um, large multinationals actually seem to want in terms of SD-WAN management? Yeah, this year and or last year, 2022, mm-hmm. uh, we found that our survey participants, um, the plurality of them were going with unmanaged services. Um, mm-hmm. So about 40%. And then following that, about 36% were co-managed plans. So that's when you you know, are sort of working directly with your vendor, right. um, where they take on maybe the 24-7 aspect, and you can change your um, underlay like right. rules. and. Yeah, you can still set some policies yes. and stuff like that. I was surprised by this one again, too. Um, Again, like with going vendor direct, I expected more of the earlier adopters to be on the unmanaged end of things. And now we have the longer tail of adopters that you see more co-management, but it's not what we found. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we talked to one WAN manager um, who said, you know, like I have a network team that is so small, like we cannot keep up with Mm -hmm. Um, all the needs. So going co-managed is really the only way to keep up the SD-WAN, um, you know, globally. Um, but I also think the makeup of our survey participants, it makes sense that a lot of them are unmanaged um, just because, you know, these are people who are sort of at the forefront of networking. Yeah. And they're bothering to uh, yep. answer a survey. And that's you know, yeah. it's one of the frustrating things about any kind of research is that you can't know who didn't response yeah exactly <laughs> so, that's uh all in and and there there is definitely um i can't tell you the degree because i can't know what i don't know but there is some <laughs> amount of self-selection here that the kind of people who follow what telegeography does mm-hmm. and would bother responding to a survey who 
would spend uh, 20 minutes of their time filling out a survey in exchange for a, a beautiful teletherapy wall map, for yeah. example, might be uh, slightly different than the people who are, uh, you know, sort of not that interested in this or, or sure. not, um, uh, you know, able to have the, the time and space to do that. So, but there's just nothing we can say about that. It's the nature yeah. of, there's the nature of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Even still, lots of interesting things, I think, this year that, that we found. Um, so what are we going to look at uh, for 2023? So we're going to, and, and that's one reason I wanted to do this episode now, is we'll very shortly be sending out surveys to WAN managers. What are we going to ask them? Yeah, so our 2023 WAN manager survey will have the same sort of backbone that our previous surveys have had, asking mm-hmm. about network configuration and you know locations. Um, but we're also um, doing an update to our network security right. um, section. We asked in 2021, so this will be what, two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're curious to sort of see, you know, where people are with network security, who they're getting security from, mm-hmm. um, what services, or if they're, you know, providing them themselves, working on just you know basic firewalls right or if they're starting to you know look into firewalls as a service uh, next gen next gen firewall right um, yeah i mean even sassy it's now a sort of like um cliche yeah. it, you know uh i don't want to say there's nothing against sassy it's just that it's it's like everyone has to talk about it or whatever it, when we last asked these questions it was brand new and so most most people hadn't really even thought about it or whatever and we kind of lumped it in with zero trust and i have to like separate those things out there's some some little differences to to pick apart there but it's gonna be really interesting to see um whether that has kept a pace with you know sort of folks leaving behind mpls Mm -hmm. um going with more internet they have to change their security posture to some extent but um uh it was it was very unusual when we asked this uh, two years ago that that folks had had you know sort of um, dived into the zero trust or, or sassy world. So we'll see how much more of them have now. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. pretty interesting. All right, and if folks want to know more about all of this stuff, where can they go? Um, they can go to telegeography.com. I figured that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The WAN manager surveys under our cloud and WAN infrastructure. Um, product. Right. Okay. So if you're a subscriber, that's where you find yeah. it is, is under cloud and when under the demand section, which yes. makes enough sense. Um, um, or we, we blogged about this when we yeah. released the report Did a few weeks ago, three right? or so, four yeah. posts um, about our biggest findings and a little bit of a dive into, you know, what does this mean? And, you know, you can see some pretty charts there. I was going to say that's, you know, so blog.teledrivery.com. If you're listening to us talk about numbers, it's kind of not um, as for for me. I yeah. I would rather go see the charts. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> so, yeah. They can go look at the charts. On yeah, the blog. Yeah, or look at them while we're blathering at you about numbers. Right? Yeah, so, just pull them up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I should have said that at the top of the show. Oh well. We <laughs> uh, can edit them. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, May. Well, thank you so much. Um, it was really interesting to uh, to hear everything you found out this year. And um, it's giving me ideas before we send the new survey out what I should uh, tweak a little bit. So yeah. yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Cool. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Telegeography Explains the Internet comes from the experts here at Telegeography. It's edited and produced by Jane Miller, and it's hosted by me, Greg Bryan. And I also wrote that theme song you're listening to right now. 
To learn more about our data, jump over to telegeography.com and we'll see you on the internet.